0: CHAPTER THREE OF THE YOUNG MARINERS ON THE FLORIDA COAST BY F. R. GOLDING THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN CHAPTER THREE TAMPA BAY Bellevue, UNLOADING A DANGEROUS CUT HOW TO STOP A BLEEDING ARTERY TOM STARBOARD AGAIN TAMPA BAY IS A PERFECT GEM OF ITS KIND RUNNING EASTWARD FROM THE GULF FOR TWELVE OR FIFTEEN MILES then suddenly turning to the north, it is so far sheltered from within, that, except in the case of severe westerly gales, its waters are ever quiet and clear as crystal. Its beach is composed of sand and broken shells of such snowy whiteness as almost to dazzle the eye, and it slopes so gradually from the land, that in many places a child may wade for a great distance without danger. To those who bathe in its limpid waters, it is a matter of curiosity to see below the slow crawling of the conch while the nimble crab scampers off in haste and fish and prawn dart wantonly around when the tide is down there is no turnpike in the world better fitted for a pleasure ride than that smooth hard beach from which no dust can rise and which is of course as level as a floor the spot on which dr gordon proposed to build was one commanding a view both of the distant fort and of the open sea or rather of the green islands which guarded the mouth of the bay it already contained a small house with two rooms erected by a white adventurer and afterwards sold to an indian chief of better class dr gordon had been originally attracted by the picturesque beauty of its location and on closer inspection still more interested by seeing on each side of the chief's door a large bale pepper that having grown for years untouched by frost had attained the height of eight or ten feet and was covered all the year round with magnificent bales of green and crimson the old chief was dead, and the premise had been vacated for more than a year. Early in the afternoon the brig anchored opposite this spot, to which Dr. Gordon had given the name of Belgevoo. All hands were called to assist the ship carpenter and Sam, Dr. Gordon's negro carpenter, to build a pierhead, or wharf, extending from the shore to the vessel. This occupied them till nightfall, and the work of unloading continued through a great part of the night, and past the middle of the next day. The work was somewhat delayed by an untoward accident befalling one of the sailors and threatening for a time to take his life. Peter, the brother of Sam, was standing on the gangway with his axe on his shoulder, just as two of the sailors were coming out with a heavy box. Hearing behind him the noise of their tramping, he turned quickly around to see what it was, and at that moment when the sailor, who was walking backwards, turned his head to see that the gangway was clear. By these two motions, quickly made, the head was brought towards the axe, and the axe toward the head, and the consequence was that the sailor's temple received a terrible gash. The blood gushed out in successive jets, proving that the cut vessel was an artery. Setting down the box with all speed, the assisting sailor seized the skin of the wounded temple and tried with both hands to bring the gaping lips together, so as to stop the bleeding. His effort was vain. The blood gushed through his fingers and ran down to his elbows. By the time the captain reached his spot, and seeing that an artery was cut, directed the sailor to press his finger on the heart side of the wound. In moments, the jet ceased, for the arterial blood is driven by the heart towards the extremities, and therefore moves by jets as the heart beats, while the venous, or black blood, is on its way from the extremities to the heart. Consequently, the pressure, which stops the flow from a wound in either vein or artery, must correspond to the direction in which the blood is flowing. Footnote the main arteries in a man's limbs are deeply buried and lie in the same general directions with the inner seams of his coat sleeves and his pantaloons. When one of them is cut, which may be known by the light red blood flowing in jets, as above described, all the bandages in the world will be insufficient to staunch it, except imperfectly, and for a time it must be tied or cauterized. If anyone knows the position of the wounded artery, the best bandage for effecting a temporary stoppage of the blood is a tourniquet which is made to press like a big strong finger directly upon it on the side which the blood is flowing. A good substitute for the tourniquet may be extemporized out of a handkerchief or other strong bandage and a piece of corncob two inches long or a suitable piece of wood or stone. This last is to be placed so as to press directly over the artery and the bandage may be made very tight by means of a stick run through it so as to twist it up with great power. End of footnote. While the sailor was thus stopping the blood by the pressure of his finger on the side from which the current came, the captain hastily prepared a ball of soft oakum about the size of a small apple. This he laid upon the wound, and bound it tightly to the head by means of a handkerchief. It is probable the flow might have been staunch had the compression been sufficiently tight, but for some reason the blood forced itself through all the impediment, saturated the tarred oakum, and trickled down the sailor's face. During this scene, Dr. Gordon was at his house on the bluff hearing through a runner dispatched by the captain that a man was bleeding to death he pointed to a quantity of cobwebs that hung in large festoons from the unsealed roof and directed him to bring a handful of these to the vessel remarking that nothing stopped blood more quickly than cobwebs the sailor by this time was looking pale and ready to faint dr gordon inquired of the captain what had been done pronounced it all right and declared that he should probably have tried the same plan but further remarked this artery in the temple is oftentimes exceedingly difficult to manage by pressure you may stop for a time the bleeding of any artery by pressing with sufficient force upon the right place, or, if necessary, to adopt so summary a mode. You may obliterate it altogether by burning with a hot iron, but in the present case I will show you an easier plan. While speaking, he had removed the bandages, and taking out his lancet, and to the captain's amazement, in uttering the last words, he cut the bleeding artery in two, saying, Now bring me some cold water. The captain was almost disposed to stay the doctor's arms, supposing that he was about to make a fatal mistake when he saw the jets of blood instantly diminished, he exclaimed what a new wonder is this here i have been trying for half an hour to staunch the blood by closing the wound but you have done it in a moment by making the wound greater it is one of the secrets of the art responded the doctor but a secret which i will explain by the fact that severed arteries always contract and close more or less perfectly whereas if they should only be split or partly cut the same contraction will keep the orifice open and bleeding I advise you never to try it, except when you know the artery to be small, or when every other expedient has failed. But here comes the bucket. See what a fine stipe tick cold water is. He washed the wound till it was thoroughly cooled, after which he brought its lips together by a few stitches made with a bent needle, and putting on the cobwebs and bandage, pronounced the operation complete. Live and land, muttered old Tom Starboard as he turned away from this scene of surgery. I knew it took a smart man to manage a ship, but I'll be hanged if there ain't smart people in the world besides sailors. End of chapter 3